My uncle, who's a little bit of a recluse, mm-hmm. he won't ever hear this, so I feel free to... I'm sending it to him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm adding him on Twitter. Damn it. Oh my god, if he was on Twitter, I would... Chris's reclusive uncle. I would jump off a cliff. Well, he's... I mean, my mom says he's a misanthrope, and she's not wrong. He just... He's just sort of a hateful person. Fair enough. <laughs> but, like, he's, he's like, nice to me and my immediate family. It's We're kind of, like, the only family he still has, Is like, a relationship with. Like, a big with. house with a shit in it? Yes. Okay. Although yeah. he recently moved so I really hope that that was like downsized he had like sent an email around Christmas and I had like responded or whatever and I had like mentioned like yeah like school's pretty hard I'm probably looking for a different job (laughs) he's like and I don't mind telling you he tells me this in the re- in the reply that you know and I think teachers are overpaid and it's never been as bad as as when the unions got here. I was like, great, well, thanks for sharing. <laughs> you cannot, you're not allowed to do that when we record. If I toss it into her chair, maybe that would. Maybe yeah, go for it. Okay. Stay there. Oh, good girl. Well, that's not gonna last, but yeah. we'll see how. Yes, Bone is good. <laughs> yes, Bone. Bone is good. That's <laughs> really creepy. Yes. Oh. Yes, 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 Bone. <laughs> yes, Bone. watch a bad movie talk about what they liked what they didn't like and how they would fix it all while enjoying a themed cocktail me i am your host for this episode i am brendan on that day i shall fatowakin vigorously drishler i am lee i love my fat boys delahanty <laughs> and i'm chris there's nothing like a warm pig's belly for my aching feet Ravel. And as you can tell by those nicknames, because you are one of the millions of people who saw this movie in theaters in 2010, made it one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Mm-hmm. The movie we were doing for this week, for this episode, is Tim Burton's 2010 3D Phantasmagoria, Alice in Wonderland. Phantasmagoria. Starring, Jesus fucking Christ, starring Johnny Depp, Mia Wasikowska. Johnny Depp credited above the title. Oh yeah, he has to be. Helena Bonham Carter, Anne Hathaway, Crispin Glover, Matt Lucas, Francis Taylor Tour, Michael Sheen, Alan Rickman, Stephen Fry, Barbara Windsor, Timothy Small, Paul Whitehouse, Michael Goff, Christopher Lee, Imelda Staunton as a flower. <laughs> Jim Carter as the executioner who speaks one line. Did Imelda Staunton even get lines or was she just She's like a, a fucking flower. No, like she has the, one no, line. Like, she speaks three Alice, lines. Or... Yeah, yeah. She's like, dude, not the same, Alice. Yeah, yeah it's like fucking Imelda Staunton. Yes. It's insane. That's it's insulting. madness. That's I mean, they movie. recorded it in a bathroom. It's fine. That's it's right. Yeah. <laughs> Someone just passed an iPhone to him. Yeah. I was talking to Jim Carter while they were waiting for a restaurant or something. Like, <laughs> hey, I know we know you're alive for your table. You want to just pop in the bathroom and read some lines for us? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you will find $20,000. Have it added to your bank account. <laughs> oh, Christ. So this is Alice in Wonderland. And of course, we could not watch a movie as this Trouble. is as Alice in Wonderland if we did not have an alcoholic drink to go with it. So, of course, the 
drink that we made for this episode was called Pish Salver, which is the shrinking potion in the movie. This is made from four ounces of hibiscus tea, two ounces of gin, one ounce of honey syrup, half an ounce of lime juice, a cinnamon stick, and a lime slice. You just steep the hibiscus tea in a mug with four ounces of water and the cinnamon stick. Once that's been uh, steeped for a while, you add the gin, the honey syrup, and the lime juice and garnish it with a lime slice. It was really yummy. It was good. I yeah. liked it a lot. Yeah, no, it wasn't overtly sweet, which is what I was worried about because hibiscus obviously is a fruitier tea. It's got honey syrup in it as well. But it was uh, it was kind of nicely uh, fruity, but not overtly mm-hmm. sugary. Yeah, I would. I, I don't know if I wanted a little less sugar in mine or maybe just no cinnamon. There was mm. something, it was like a little too many things happening, but mm. I didn't. It was still very nice. Um I don't know how many we've done, but we're. I think our success rate on tea drinks is really solid. Yeah, tea drinks I, in general have been going pretty. I, good I'm us. inclined to agree with that. It's nice to have a hot drink every now and then too. And of course, how could you not do a tea drink for Alice in Wonderland? Simply impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. We would not be doing our jobs. Yeah. Even though like the tea party is relatively uncentral to this movie. Yeah. No, the tea party really doesn't like fucking matter at all in this movie. But like, let's be honest, it matters in pop culture. We yeah. All it. it's, uh, we've it's, all been on the teacups at Disneyland, right? And I think it is just kind of, we would have been remiss not to catch on that. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. With the teacups as a ride, Mm -hmm. they're not all, they're not, because like, yeah, they're teacups out of Disneyland, they're Mad Hatter inspired, but not all of the teacup rides are Mad Hatter inspired, are they? Uh, I so what I, my thought is, and I don't know if this is true. My thought is that they were probably first at Disneyland, then a bunch of other ride companies were oh. like, "Hey, like let's do a knockoff of that." And because you know we're not saying it's Alice in Wonderland, we can't I just, be like, sued because I you know I've been on teacup rides my whole life, yeah. right. dating Disneyland. Right. I just assumed that they were like a, a I think concept I, I have to imagine that it was a Disneyland thing, but I could be completely That's, wrong. I'm gonna look that up as well. Yeah, I, I, I could that. be wrong. We should also mention to go along with our tea, we had quite a nice. Oh spot. yeah, shit. Yeah, we had a whole bunch of crap. Chris made some finger sandwiches. Yeah, delicious finger. Yeah, very good job, Chris. What was it? You was a cute. There's cucumber ones. There was chicken salad. There was a cucumber one. Yeah, with like I, there was like some dill and some fresh dill and um, like some garlic and herbs spread and yeah um chicken salad Mm -hmm. and then um we had some just delicious treats and cookies bought some stuff from flour bunch of crap from flour bought some stuff from whole foods bought some petty fours cookies everything was really tasty yeah i thought it looked really nice had a lot more color than this movie i have ways for you guys to take stuff home with you i am not saying i'm not demanding it but uh please don't leave me with all of them yeah i will (laughs) i will look because chris if you like those checkerboard cookies uh feel free to take those home for you and paul because i will not eat them all yeah uh yeah so anyway we had uh we had an enjoyable time prepping for this movie if less of an enjoyable time watching this movie. So before we get into that part of it, Lee, would you mind giving us the synopsis of sure. Alice in Wonderland? Uh, all right, here we go. Yep. In London, 1871, troubled by a strange recurring dream and mourning the loss of her father, 19-year-old Alice Kingsley attends a garden party at the estate of Lord Ascot. Uh, there she is confronted with an unwanted marriage proposal by Lord Ascot's son, Hamish, and the stifling expectations of the society in which she lives. Unsure of how to proceed, she spots and pursues a familiar rabbit wearing a waistcoat and carrying a pocket watch due to her lack of sleep and falls into a deep rabbit hole under a tree. She enters a small door by... The lack of sleep is an inference, I think. Yeah, I I agree. Just because, what, she has dark bags under her eyes like every woman in a Tim Burton movie? Yeah. (laughs) She enters a small door by drinking up from a bottle labeled Drink Me called Pishalver and emerges to a forest in a magical place called Underland where she is greeted by the white rabbit, a dormouse... A dodo, talking flowers, and identical t- identical twins, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, who all apparently know her. 
Though Alice asserts that this is all a dream, she learns that she is destined to slay the Jabberwocky and end the tyranny of the Red Queen as foretold by Absalom the Caterpillar. The group is then ambushed by the ravenous Bandersnatch and a squadron of Red Queen's knights led by the Knave of Hearts. All are captured except Alice, who escapes, and the Dormouse, who takes one of the Bandersnatch's eyes. The Knave informs the Red Queen that Alice threatens her reign, and he is ordered to find her immediately. Meanwhile, Alice is greeted by the Cheshire Cat, who guides her to the Mad Hatter, the March Hare, and the Dormouse's tea party. The Hatter explains that the Red Queen took over Underland, usurping her sister, the White Queen, and that he joined the resistance after she destroyed his village and killed his family. <laughs> when the Red Knights appear, the Hatter helps Alice to avoid capture by allowing himself to be seized instead. Later, Alice is found by the Knave's Bloodhound, who is actually allied with the resistance. Alice insists on being taken to the Red Queen's castle to rescue the Hatter. Alice eats a cake labeled Eat Me, called Appelkuchen. I forget how to pronounce it. I, I think it's C-H. I don't know anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, and grows tall, it's infiltrating uh, the castle as a courtier named Um. Alice learned the Vorpal Sword, the only weapon capable of killing the Jabberwocky, is locked inside the Bandersnatch's den. The knave attempts to seduce Um, but she rebuffs him, causing the jealous Red Queen to demand for Um's beheading. Alice obtains the sword and befriends the Bandersnatch by returning its eye. She then escapes on the back of the grateful Bandersnatch and delivers the sword to the White Queen, who gives Alice a potion that returns her to her, her normal size. The Cheshire Cat uses his shape-shifting powers... <laughs> Which are definitely a thing. We all knew about them. ...to save the Mad Hatter from execution. The Hatter then incites a rebellion amongst the Red Queen's subjects. The Red Queen attempts to quell the rebellion, but the Hatter and, the, and his group escape. Absalom finally gets Alice to remember that she has been to Underland when she was a little girl, calling it Wonderland... And she finally oh, realizes that Underland is real. Absalom advises her to fight the Jabberwocky just before completing his transformation into a poopa. <laughs> a poopa. A um, the queen gathers their armies on a chessboard-like battlefield and sends Alice and the Jabberwocky to decide the battle in single combat. Alice fights the Jabberwocky as the two armies battle. Alice finally defeats the Jabberwocky by beheading it. At Alice's victory, the Red Knights turn against their ruler... As punishment for their crimes, the White banishes her sister, the White Queen, sorry, banishes her sister and, and the Knave into exile together. The White Queen gives Alice a vial of the Jabberwocky's purple blood, whose power will bring her wherever she wishes. She decides to return to her own world after saying farewell to her friends. Alice then wakes up and gets up out of the rabbit hole with messed up hair, a scratch on her arm, <laughs> and her dress all torn and dirty from her fall. Can you believe me? <laughs> How bitchy. Back at the party, yeah. Back at the party, this is a bitchy summer. Yeah, looking like a fucking trash yeah. heap. <laughs> Back at the party, Alice refuses Hamish's proposal and impresses Lord Ascot with her idea of establishing oceanic trade routes to Hong Kong, inspiring him to sure. take her as his apprentice. Girl boss. And yeah. As Alice prepares to set off on a trading ship, a blue butterfly lands on Alice's shoulder, which she recognizes as Absalom. All right, there it is. That's Tim Burton's 2010, Alice in Wonderland. Lee, thank you for doing that synopsis. It was kind of long. And I think if you listen to that synopsis and you think to yourself, boy, there is a lot going on there. Like, yes, you're not wrong. There is a lot going on there. If you were to ask yourself, does it follow? Does anything that happens previously lead to the next thing? Well, not so much. Yeah. And that's where that's where we fall into the weeds a little bit here. It's even hard to kind of say, like, events happen. Things just sort of, like, run into each other. Right. I think that's accurate. Um... So just to start here, I thought we would just go into a little bit about like Alice in Wonderland in general. What are your guys' experience with Alice in Wonderland? I assume the Disney movie, yeah, right? Seen, the animated Disney movie, probably. Disney I've never movie. read the books. Yeah, I've seen the Disney movie. I know I've read the book a long time ago, probably Same. when I was in like middle school or something. Same. But, or at least 
like, in my memory, it might have been, like, excerpts from. I don't know if they read the whole thing. There's also, I don't remember it super clearly, but there was some show on PBS, or maybe it was, like, a special that I must have watched a bunch as a kid, but I just remember there was a, like, very cheapo PBS version of this. And, or sort of, like, it was... Was it the one with Carol Janet? <laughs> That's what I was just The thing is, there's been like several like made for TV movies of this, and there is one with Carol Channing. This is not the. It didn't really follow the plot of like the story as we know it. It was more kind of like Alice, normal girl in the '90s. Are you thinking? But of like the... falls asleep in her bed, okay. and then it's just sort of they like redress a like garden set with like a fog machine to make it look mysterious. Okay. So Again, you're, you're I'm not, not remembering thinking, this like super clearly. You're but... not thinking of the TV show Adventures in Wonderland that was on the Disney Channel. I might. You? I might. Be. Okay, because that was it was a half hour TV show where like Alice, a '90s girl, goes to Wonderland every week and learns some sort of lesson. That sounds about right. Okay, because that, that would have been a TV show, not a movie. But okay. Anyway. Uh, th- that is that is I think perhaps one of those one of those adaptations of Alice in Wonderland that is probably relevant for people in our age bracket. Right. Like you've, if you have at all seen that series, you are probably around our age. If you have not, well, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why you haven't. Uh, the other thing I was going to say for me is the Jan Svankmeyer um, Alice. Lee, have you seen that? I, f- I feel like as someone who went to Emerson, the crappy, the weird, not the crappy, the weird abstract, the European, one. yeah, the yeah, Euro- I, yeah. I, I started what is it. Like? Uh, it, there's a lot like, of stop no. motion. Yeah. yeah. So like 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 the white rabbit is like a taxidermied rabbit. Yes. And he's got sawdust like spilling out of him. Creepy. Yeah. It's it's it's, creepy, it's a bizarre yeah. take on the Alice in Wonderland story. It's very. It's like what Tim Burton wishes he was. Right. I was gonna say like it like, feels. Do you think it's more like committed and realized? Oh yeah. Like I, in a lot of ways, it is the better version of this movie where it is it is bizarre, but it is successfully bizarre, and yeah. it's it doesn't feel like. I, I don't know, like corporate bizarre, right, you like know, like is, hot topic bizarre. Which exactly yeah. is what this is. Right. When was it made? Just, I will get back to oh, this movie in a second. That other one? I have the no idea. The Young Alice? Uh, yeah, let me yeah. look real quick. I truly don't name? remember. I, I just, I was going to say like, yeah, I've seen a lot of like adjacent things done with Alice. Like we've talked about that video game that's pretty popular. The sci-fi. Oh yeah. Oh. The, yeah. American McGee's Alice. American Alice. Alice. Yeah, there's, right. um, which which seems... was that a comic before it was a game? Or was I don't it? know. I don't think I'm so. I'm pretty sure it was just a game. Yeah, I feel like there could have been a like two games. They made a sequel to the game. They did. Yeah. Um, and I, I got the... I don't know if it was intentional, but this movie borrows, I think, some aesthetic notes from American McGee. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. It, it, it's like a more PG version of American McGee, but there's yeah. a lot of... It feels like there's yeah, a and there, yeah, we've, t- we've talked about the fucking sci-fi version that I... Yes. <laughs> that was really bizarre that it's I frankly uh, enjoyed a lot. And that was from the same era when they were the, also... The Tin Man was... Tin Man, yeah. right. Yeah. That period where sci-fi was doing, like... Larger budget miniseries. It started with Tin Man and ended with Alice. Yeah, well, there was. They did. Well, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily falls into that, but there's like the Dune miniseries that they did. Well, so, like, yeah, that was a like before that. No, that's true. That's it, true. I felt like the Tin Man was like uh, we're gonna do weird fairy tale stuff, right? Right. Yeah. And then they then they did Alice, and then I think it stopped. Then they, they, they realized well, they ran like, out of stories. Um, yeah. You know, for good, bad, or indifferent, I was like, thanks for taking a big swing. So yeah, yeah, I you know. I, I, I love it when yeah. people do weird shit. I appreciate it. Um, and I was just going to say, like, I feel like, based on all of it, because I've never read the books, and I don't, you know, I don't want to, like, disparage or say anything, because, you know, I, I'm ignorant about them, really, but... Presumably, there's a reason why uh, they're still so popular today. Uh, I don't really know what that is, but I think it's it's like the characters and the visuals. Yeah, you but know? I, I think that it is one. It, it seems to me from everything that I've seen and from what I know about the book that it's one of those things that like. 
it's a good inspiration to do something yeah. with. Mm-hmm. But it's on its own. It's not like a great story like to to have like, at least in movie format like i, I mean it is it. again it is like one of those it, it, it's a children's story and so you know yeah. like there's not a lot of coherence in it there's not as i said before it's not really a strong plot it's like a character wanders around meets weirdos yeah, and eventually like wakes up and leaves. It, it's, it's even more the, of a setting that you can do things right with. and it's more just that like there's a lot of interesting wordplay right. there's a lot of funny colorful characters and just and so, like, general, that's why like, it's dreamlike vibe right and it's it is one of those because int- lee how you had said it's one of the reasons why it doesn't quite translate into a movie necessarily. There is a lot of like word-based humor happening in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which does not at all obviously translate to a movie. So like every time, and it's like a pretty big aspect of the book. And so every time you make a visual adaptation of this book, you have to kind of just omit that entirely. Which is a bummer because it's eliminating a lot of what makes the story right I mean and that's right that's kind of like the risk that you run right so like it feels like because you don't have that you have to sort of be like well let's make this as quote unquote like big and random as possible well then arguably this movie's solution to that is to just stick some of those lines in characters mouths at completely random times right I mean the raven writing desk thing doesn't make a lot of sense within the context of the movie well I mean it never does in the book either but like the movie almost makes into a running joke or something where the Mad Hatter keeps asking like so like do you know it's like a running it's not like a joke either. It's more just like yeah, a recurring like a callback or something. It seems to like right. attempt to be. To, they seem to attempt to do something deep with it, but like we it, we're, we're like, what? I don't I know. Mean, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. I yeah. have a similar. I don't know what that's supposed to be when she's like, as this like creature is charging for her, like towards her at the end is like, like to believe six impossible yeah, 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 things yeah, yeah. before right. this, and then yeah. is counting them as she's fighting another, the monster. Yeah. another like, thing what? from the book that was like we're trying to make this into like a more meaningful, ominous thing. And I'm like, or not ominous, but like a deep, deeper thing. Right. But yeah. I, I don't even know if that's from the book is the thing though, too. Like, I don't even know if like six impossible things. The impossible things for breakfast is definitely. Is it? Okay. Like, I don't yeah. know for sure. Cause yeah. I know the one thing I, I keep... think that it's from the Mad Hatter scene in the book. Okay. Cause the thing that I keep seeing attributed to Alice in Wonderland, the book that I'm 95% sure is just from this movie is when Alice is talking to the Mad Hatter and he says something like, Am I mad? And she says, like, yes, you're crackers, but you know something all the best people are. Yeah. And I feel like every now and then I see that quote attributed to, like, Lewis Carroll, Alice's right. Adventures of Wonder, like, no, no, I don't think it is. Look into yeah. it. Anyways, um, the Jan Svankmeyer, uh, Alice in Wonderland, it's Czech. That's what I could not land on. It's from 1988. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow. It's it's a weird one. Yeah. Mr. Grinch. <laughs> is, it worth, is it worth seeing or is it just... I think so. Okay. It, it's, it is a strange little movie, but it's like 90 minutes long. So just to take a look at this movie in a historical perspective as to where it was in time. So as I said, this came out like several months after Avatar came out. We all yeah. know that when Avatar came out... It was a huge deal, made boatloads of money. It was a 3D extravaganza. Everyone wanted to go see it in IMAX in 3D so you could immerse yourself in James Cameron's World of Pandora. And after that happened, we were like, yes, please, more of this. Give us more of this. It was not the only thing, but I think it was one of the major uh, kind of movie events that pushed us into the current CG everything. Well, I I don't even know about that. I think, like, to be fair, I think Avatar's biggest thing was 3D. Yeah, and 3D has kind of petered back out again at this point. Like, you can still see Movies and Sorry, I meant theaters. Like CG everything, no? I don't know. I feel like if you want to look at CG everything, I mean, George Lucas was doing that for quite That's a while true. beforehand. I mean, even though yeah. there's a lot of practical models in the prequels, it is very, like, CG heavy. So I, I don't know. It might be. I'd have to think about that for a while. But um, Alice's thing, I think, was mostly just... T- 
like playing with the 3D world mm. that we got from Avatar. And so, of course, um, Alice in Wonderland, as you may or may not know, was converted to 3D in post, which almost seems like a reaction to Oof. Avatar at this point. Where a lot it's, of them were converted. Yeah, post. no, that was a huge thing for quite a while. Good, right? Because no, I mean, generally speaking, being converted in post does not look quite as good. Like, I think a lot of it comes down to whether or not it's live action or animated. I also have to be honest. For me, yeah. 3D was never an effect that ever did anything for me. No, I, I so... by and large agree. I feel like there's been a few movies that I saw in 3D and would like to see again in 3D. Sure. Um, like Hugo, I think, for me, was a very interesting use of 3D. Tron Legacy, I liked what it did. Tron Legacy was just a good a good aesthetic. No, it was, too. And also Tron Legacy does like The Wizard of Oz thing, where the opening is in 2D until they go inside the grid, and then yeah, it's yeah. in 3D. And it's like, okay, this is fun. Like, it's playful. It, it Yeah. It, yeah. There, there is a lot, to, again, to be said for the aesthetics of Tron Legacy. Uh, but this one really just feels like a reaction to Avatar where it came out people went nuts for the 3D and Disney was like oh dollar signs in our eyes let's convert this to 3D immediately and you know make a buttload of money doing that and to be fair they did this movie cracked a billion dollars worldwide at the box office it was one of the highest grossing movies of all time I don't know where it falls on the list currently uh, I'd have to look into that. I'm not sure. And it's also sort of weird that this movie, like, kind of kicked off Disney's reboot, like, live-action remake of animated movies, but not really, because it's strange how this movie has almost nothing to do with the Disney animated movie Alice in Wonderland. At all. Well, it's I like, guess except for there's some references to it too in her co- various costumes. Right, but I feel like the dress is sort of a thing in the book, too. Oh. I think I would have to double check that. But well, I guess there's there are like aesthetic things they lift from it because like the Queen of well no the Queen of Hearts doesn't look like that. No, she in, doesn't really in the cartoon. Yeah, she has a normal Damn. head. Yeah, so it is, it is sort of strange that where Disney was at the time where it was sort of like yes Tim Burton do Alice in Wonderland but the mandate wasn't do a live action version of our Alice in Wonderland. Right. It was just sort of like I don't know here's do a wheelbarrow for money have fun. Is this before Alice in Wonderland? This well, was before Maleficent. Yes. I, was just, I was just looking that yeah, up. Yeah, because the woman who wrote this, Linda Wolverton, also wrote the screenplay for Maleficent based off so of this. So she's not a terrible writer. No, and that's the thing, too. She did Beauty and the Beast, the screenplay for Beauty and the Beast, which I think is a very, the, the animated one, not the live action oh, one, okay. which is like a very tight animated screenplay, I think. Like, it's a very effective. It's a good movie. Yeah, and it's like a very effective 80 minute movie. You know, it doesn't leave you asking questions at the end. It says everything it needs to say and it wraps up. It's great. And then she also, I think, had a hand in The Lion king and stuff like that too so it's like this is a person who knows how to write Fuck, a screenplay talent, yeah. right so i i don't know what happened well, here it's you, you gotta wonder too or some of the even the live action beauty and the beast like how how much is your script getting like again the exclusive gay moment like somebody put that in like that wasn't right. like probably the 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 person who had a vision. Right, no, it's, it's like some executive coming up and being yeah. like, we need a gay moment. We need to like throw the gay audience a bone here. <laughs> so <laughs> make But only the smallest yeah. of bones. Yeah, yeah, the smallest, the, the tidiest of pinky bones. <laughs> also, it's going to be LeFou, like right. the tiny tell, homunculus to Gaston's character. Tell Josh Gad to just throw in a few flourishes. Right. And then like, he's going to dance with the He's going to dance with the man for half of a second right. and that's all we're going to get here. It was like, yeah. listen, this is the, this is as gradual a progression as we'll allow. But like, right. but like again, with Alice in Wonderland or with, um, don't watch the other, I think it's gay. Like, you gotta wonder, 
how how much it was like I don't know mutated and yeah yeah exactly like how much of it was like a bunch of executives kind of be like yeah. can you consider doing X and I truly don't know for this from everything I've heard about her I tried to find her talking about the screenplay a little bit online mm -hmm. it seems like this is the movie she wanted to make like and again she, <sighs> you, you could just be saying that because you don't want to get on the bad side of a large corporation yeah. but she seems to be like pretty proud of I, what this movie was she like likens Alice as a character to Belle as a character and just keep thinking like that's no. not quite this like Belle is a much stronger character she than Alice like, is. She has like depth yeah. and development yeah. whereas this one does not. And, right. Like it is kind of a bummer that uh, that a woman that if, if this is what she wanted to do then the she was satisfied with the only plot motivation this character has mm -hmm. is like the most like just you like it's such a sleepwalk of right. a plot line of just like I want her to marry this dude. He's kind of a dweeb and she doesn't want to. Yeah. yeah. But also, though, most of her journey through the Wonderland yeah. is like, well, I'm dreaming. So right, right. No, yeah. So let's just, well, let's, we're going full in a plot here. Full in a plot. So like, let's go. basically the entire movie, the, the movie is, as you said, Chris, she's being told she has to marry this guy. She doesn't want to marry this guy. She falls into a hole, wakes up in Wonderland. She gets down there. She's like, this is a dream. I understand it perfectly. This is a dream. None of this she is happening. She doesn't too long. Right. I know this was a dream because this happened to me as a child. I had a dream about this as a child and I'm having it again. No, but that's the, that's the, here's the thing. Yeah. I didn't because when we watched this movie this, the second time yeah together I don't know if she it seems like she didn't even remember at all anything right. about this no place. that's the thing that's like she does seem I guess she does you're right seem to have like regressed and like walked yeah, away it's, it's as if she's experience. been here because everyone is like ah it's Alice we right. know Alice and she's like she's I don't like, know you yeah right like, I have no fucking clue who you are Lee you are right about the whole thing that she, it seems like she as a character has Which forgotten is unbelievable right. no I agree when, with you when we were watching it and that scene happens with the caterpillar yeah. and I was like and she's what like right fuck? and she's like I have been here before <laughs> no. which it took you 90 minutes to come to that conclusion yeah. first you of all which is that insane you would have been like why are, why are you all talking to right. me like, yeah, like, like you all pretend like you know me can we sit down for a moment and discuss why you think you know who yeah. I am it's also okay it goes on for way too long and it also reads at a certain point, like, did you just have no story idea? Like, the plot is basically, when she, when she gets to Wonderland, I mean, she just goes to different places and has these little misadventures that are mostly just kind of cul-de-sacs. Like, they happen, but they conclude, and then she just kind of moves on. It's like her meeting characters who kind of come back later on, but, like, not a whole lot of plot is actually progressing. It's right. just her meeting a bunch of people. Which, right. to be fair, again, that's the book. And But it just repeats this whole, like, she's not the real house. Yeah, she's the real house. No, I'm not the real house. Yeah. No, but she's the real house. Right. I... It's just so boring and repetitive. Just give us something else. Like, it's just weird that they just chose to keep doing the same thing over and over in this setting that ostensibly has a lot of different plot hooks for you to play with. Right. And then also, in addition to that, you also have the fact that, like, as we said, she doesn't believe that she is the Alice that they're talking about. So when, first of all, like, she's working against that for the entire fucking movie where mm -hmm. she's like, I'm not Alice. I'm not Alice. Okay, I am Alice. <laughs> and there's also this thing where there is a chosen one narrative grafted onto this through the yeah. use of something called an oraculum, which is like a scroll that tells tells you the future of Underland, and we see very clearly when she gets there, it's, right away, they unscroll it's it. It's literally like a five mile long scroll. Right, like, like always, yeah. Someone always has it, and they're and always they like throw throwing it, it open. Right, because it's, well, it's 3D, right? So you want to throw it at the audience. But then whenever you see it land somewhere, it's just the like most awkward like PlayStation 2 graphic right, it's, laying it's, on like the steps or the ground or, you know, wherever. And the other thing that always gets me is whenever they whip that thing out and they like you know like 
whatever, spool it out. It's always done with this air of like, let's see what it says. I'm like, it hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. It is there are no words. It's right. <laughs> it, it's just a bunch of pictures apparently of things. Also, they like, they only ever show us that one picture. Well, I think you know. You see, the first picture I think you see is them looking at the picture. Right. You see a picture of what you are seeing currently happening Very right hard. now. Uh, but what I was going to say is, so this is this is an oracle that never changes. You see it. It is factual. It is true. We all believe it to be true. We see a picture of Alice from behind. To be fair, but it's so clearly us because they have the same hair fighting the Jabberwocky and Alice sees us and she's like no this isn't me like it's first of all honey it's you it's clearly it's you clearly we can all you. agree upon this the movie at no point ever plays with this either the movie you think that you have something like this in there so that you can play with it and be like we're not sure who this character is we think this might be you but it could also be X Y or Z or you it... might also look at it and be like no one can make out who this person is in the oraculum currently but we're hoping that it's going to be you and so then when she looks at it at the end it is clearly her because she has made a decision to be the one to slay the Jabberwocky but whenever they talk about it it's always in the context of like, yeah, and it says Alice is going to kill the Jabberwocky. Right, yes. And so we so know like, okay, then why? Right, you've removed all tension, right? You yeah. effectively sucked the tension out. We also just like just, um, we also figure out later on that it doesn't really matter who holds the sword because the sword knows what it wants to do. And when the Jabberwocky sees Alice, he's like, ah, it's you, my old arch nemesis. She's like, I don't know who the fuck you are. And she goes, he goes, no, not you, the sword. The sword is who I'm really having the fight with. It's, you are kind of irrelevant to all of it's this. It's funny that even in what should be her climactic moment, She's just, like, wielding the sword is more of a character, at least to the Jabberwocky. Right. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, again, she has failed to be a character in this story. So for all the talk that I've heard Tim Burton say about how, like, you know, if you're making a movie of Alice in Wonderland, it's a hard thing to do because it's just a story about a girl who meets a bunch of random characters. And uh, yes, I agree with Tim Burton. That's it. 100% true but like you didn't solve that issue now, here. you just made it again a woman who meets a bunch of weird creatures and then finds out that she's predestined to kill this thing it doesn't have to actually really do anything the most she has to do is I guess decide to do it but we know right. that she's already foretold to do it and she will do it because this oracle thing has said that she's going to do it mm -hmm. and again also like this is a refusal of the call happening like 90, 100 minutes into this movie where it's just like you can't do it this late in the game, honey. You have to decide already that you're going to do this or not. You just can't keep dicking us around like this, Alice. And yet dick she will. And yet dick she does. <laughs> dick she does. And dick she does. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's honestly difficult to talk about plot events because there's really just kind of like little episodes no, yeah. it's, I and mean, vignettes. I think that is kind of my memory of the old movie. Right, I mean, it is. What I get from yeah. the story, it is just like Alice wanders around. And, you know, they're, they're like, this is not like a new type of story. Like, you know, I mean, obviously they're in a different times, but the idea of like somebody going to a fantasy land. Right. And, and, and having it sure is strange. Adventures, yeah. Like right. Fantasts uh, would have predated Alice in Wonderland, uh, the, the book. Um, I don't, uh, probably, uh, Kansas, not anymore. What is that one? Wizard of Oz. Right, but even like Wizard of Oz has like, you get here, you want a thing. I mean, yeah. Upon immediately arriving, you're like, I want to go home. This How do I get home? Right. <laughs> With Alice, it's just like, I'm meeting a bunch of people. Well, this has been great. I'll see ya. And she splits. I guess it's just yeah. funny to me, like, that I guess Jim Burton believes, no, we made a plot. And yeah. we followed it through. And yes. the plot is, um, she's destined to do this thing, but she doesn't think so. Right, and she doesn't think she's Alice, yeah. but she is. I mean, you would think, <laughs> like, okay, well, well, and this isn't really a fix anyway, but you, you would think, like, if the idea is that Alice starts in her real world with this, I don't want to get married, and be a Victorian woman bound by the rules of marriage, or whatever, right. and then she goes into this fantasy land, that she would come out of it having learned some sort of alternate 
path and, mm-hmm. and right. that's sort of what you do it's sort of what happens because she comes out and she's like i think we should do this but like how did how she did, get right right that? like when yeah. her experience in wonderland was just like well uh scroll says you kill a dragon and, right uh, and then she's like well, and then she killed the dragon but then she, she comes the out and she's like but why don't we go to hong kong yeah it's like well where did you learn that you, from the journey that she has in underland should should somehow bring her logically right. to that point when the um, other she, she thought of it when the caterpillar blew opium in her face yeah. <laughs> i guess that was it hey i know we can get more of that shit <laughs> the other thing that i think is very weird about the framing device of this movie is that it almost feels like it's wizard of ozing where yeah. it feels like there are characters who kind of relate to characters in Wonderland but first of all they're not played by the same actors so we're not going like full out Wizard of Oz but it's like there are two girls who are kind of idiots and like they look vaguely similar and they keep like saying weird stuff to each other and her potential mother-in-law gets really mad when the roses are white instead of red and she's very imperious wasn't that Yuli who were like how did how was this the first (laughs) time she's yeah she like wanders out to the garden and she's like white roses these bushes that have been in bloom for god knows how long that really got me (laughs) I just don't know how you (laughs) You've she's just, this bitch has just never gone in her rose yeah. garden ever. Like and she, then you've lost the right to complain. I know it's been like this point. it's been like a year since they planted those things. Yeah, and those yeah. guys like don't even remember you at this like, point. Truly, it takes so much time for the roses to get to that point. Yeah, I also just want to point out. Oh, I'm sorry, you were in the middle of. Something well, I was just saying, me. like, like because then you have the weird things too, where like her aunt Imogen, who's like this sort of don't be like Aunt Imogen, is like the whole thing with That's her. That's Princess Crazy Delator, right? Right. Yeah, where she's who also believes that like a prince is coming to who's marry her or something. Yeah, yeah. that was bullshit. But like, give up his throne, right? But like, she doesn't really have a counterpart. I know I'm zooming. I know we're zooming ahead, but I love. So like, Alice when she comes out of this thing, I guess she learned individual solutions or like things to say to like yeah, like like, yeah, like one final one liner to drop on everyone. Right, that was kind of like outlined before she jumped into Wonderland, and I just love that she goes up to this woman, and it's the middle of Victorian England, and just goes, "I think you should talk to someone about these delusions. I think you really need some help." I just went to a magic, like, again, after what you've been through. <laughs> oh, Maybe you should both go so together and good. find yeah. someone to talk to at this point. And then how her not father-in-law goes over and is like, ooh, didn't say anything bad about me. Like, right. like I, th- that's my secret <laughs> fetish. I love when women dress me down in public. What do you have to say about me? I would love, I would love if, like, the Oz callback for him was like, I love big women. <laughs> <laughs> and what does he oh, say? At yeah. that point? I yeah. love largeness. I love largeness, yeah. The, yeah. the name of hearts like, loves her Jeez. largeness. <laughs> Which is, so much of this movie feels like it's working out someone's fetishes between like large naked Alice, tiny Alice, and a t- everyone keeps like making her dresses. I, I don't know who Listen, this is for. They couldn't choose just one winner from the Project One Way challenge of remixing Alice's dress yeah. from Wonderland, so they wanted to use them all. It feels like there actually might have been a thing. Like a, right, like a, that would yeah. have been a, promo, a promotional. That could have, that could have, yeah, 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 I don't believe it was, but there could have one hundred percent been like yeah, a promotional, like yeah, like design a dress you for Alice. Blink, you wouldn't have blinked an eye at that. No, one hundred percent not. <laughs> and it'll go right on sale at Hot Topic. That's right, yep. and it did. I don't know for sure, but I think this is like the first movie that Tim Burton did that feels like a crossover promotion with Hot Topic. It truly you know? does. I did. Like, I had it. The I gloves. The gloves she's yeah. wearing look very much like that would be something they would sell. I bet you anything there was like socks to match. Right. This seems like this was like the first time we realized that maybe Tim Burton was not a director and more just a means of making merchandise. Right. He's more of a like like a, a merchandise designer. Yeah. Or like. <laughs> I guess you can look at... Maybe this... Was this the last time he's made a merchandise movie? Like, was there really much merch for Dark Shadows? 
I'm pretty sure. I'm sure Hot Topic had shit for Dark Shadows. I, I don't did. know for sure. I don't know. I feel like it must have. Who was? I mean, what, who was even Dark Shadows for? I don't know. We we certainly didn't know. The other thing I was trying to find out, and I couldn't quite figure this out. So Tim Burton basically signed a contract with Disney to do two movies in 3D. That was kind of what he signed on for, which was this and Frank and Weenie. And so I almost oh. wonder if this wasn't a movie that he wanted to make. If it was more of like a one for us, one for you sort of thing, where they were like, "We'll let you make a stop motion version of that short you made." For for right. us years ago, Frank and Weenie, but you also have to do a live action version of a property we have. So like, I don't know for sure if that is something that's true or not, but it feels like there is a distinct possibility that maybe like he never wanted to do this movie to begin with, you know? I would believe it because um, this movie just feels lazy. Right, I mean, it feels, again, like Burton Autopilot, where it's just sort of like, like, ooh, what will Tim Burton's but Wonderland where, look like? Well, it'll, it'll look like this. fall into like his line of work where like, was he, had he done good things before or after this recently? Because Frank like, and Weenie was okay. I liked it. But Frank and Weenie was like an adaptation, right? Right. And it was also like a, a pet project of his, yeah. you know? So now that we've sort of gone into Tim Burton, uh, just basically do a little bit of the aesthetics and the visuals of this movie. Is this the ugliest movie ever made? Oh, next God. to Gummo? Or next to... Wait, what's Gummo? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I would say this is uh, not quite the eye cancer level of Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. That's fair. Okay, that's um, fair. But it, it's it's up there. But like in because... in a way, is is it not worse because he had a hundred ninety million dollars or whatever and still yeah. gave us this? Well, it's, just, it's not the technology that's the problem. It's the creativity. Yes, yeah. the design is terrible. I, I think the design of everything is very flat and lacks a lot of depth of field or dimension. So everything just kind of looks very like static and flat um it doesn't help that it looks like everything was maybe designed and initially colored to be very bright and then you have a lot of that desaturated yeah. and it also feels like the contrasts in a lot of places were turned down and so it just makes there's so much going on in every frame that it ends up making it look really muddy a lot of the time right i mean it seems to me that like the guiding principle would be Wonderland. Wonderland's bright and colorful, but this is like the serious version yeah, of Wonderland. Like so a, you have to desaturate all that color well, and make it a little grayer. Again, it's very. This movie was like made for Hot Topic. Yeah. yeah. But it feels like a sort of rainbow goth aesthetic. Yeah. Where it's like, we're still goth, but we were. We like, yeah, we like whimsy colors. Or, um, yeah. Like, even in Anne Hathaway's kind of white queen pink. Uh, like cherry blossoms I think she had mm -hmm. in her little castle thing even that had sort of a like okay yeah we're in all white tones but we're still goth right yeah, yeah. well I mean cause she's got like her all white face paint and her and, like, black, eyebrows. black eyebrows yeah, and exactly. then she has like black fingernails yeah and... yeah so she's like a little you know a little little creepy and kooky and gothy I thought they always kind of suggest that she might be into necromancy or something because she's she says something at one point that um her sister um, wanted dominion all, over all living things, but she's like, but me. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I don't, the, there's a lot of like weird little, there, there's that and there's the part whenever she's making the pitch solver and she throws in like two human fingers or something into yeah. it. And I guess that's like, fingers. Right, yeah, I guess that's Timber being like, 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 ooh, like she's, she's like not all like sunshine and rainbows. She's got a little bit of an edge to her, yeah. I guess. I, I can't say I really like many of the aesthetic choices. Um, I think... The use of CG is overindulgent in general. I think the design on the CG creatures is really uninspired and boring. Even though a lot of that inspiration comes from the original line work, it just feels like not a lot of effort was done into, like, 
expanding on that or doing something with it or really right. having like an aesthetic point of view. I mean, some some of it some of it does come from the original illustrations. Other times it does not. Like the Bandersnatch has no, you know, is not from anything. But I think the. Um... The Jabberwocky is from it. Yes, the Jabberwocky is from the illustrations. Uh, the Queen is kind of like she has a large head, which there's another character in the book called the Duchess who is usually drawn with a large head. But she's, and so she's just kind a reference of... to how, like, I don't know, like playing cards kind of have very, like, prominent. I guess, do they? Heads? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that was anyway. the one example of the CGI I thought was fine. Yeah, I actually, I, I think the CGI on her head holds up pretty well. I was kind of watching at this time thinking, like, am I going to see the seams a little bit more? For the most part, I think it looks pretty good. I think that and I think the couple of photorealistic-ish animals that they do look pretty yeah. good, like the frogs and the fish. The dog, not so much. The, no, well, because the dog's works. It has, like, a dog body, but it has a cartoon dog head. And, it's, like, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a weird uh, melding of two worlds that does not really work at all. The other aesthetic choice that sticks out in my mind as something that didn't work at any point was elongating Crispin Glover's Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Noted tall, lanky, stretched out man Crispin Glover, well, who they decided to digitally tweak to make even longer and stretched out. Who, like, to no real effect. Right. Because it doesn't, you don't look at that and you're not like unsettled in some kind of subtle way. Like, it's not done in a way where you're like, ooh, it's, like, otherworldly. Right, like, if you wanted to go full nuts and be like, he's 10 feet tall, I'd be like, yeah, sure, fine, he's 10 feet tall. But here it's like, I don't know, he's 7 feet tall as opposed to 6 feet tall right. like normal. And so you get a lot of weird... Anytime you see his normal hands with his CGI body, they just don't look quite like they're physically attached right. to him. It's, it's, it's an unpleasant look. It's a very strange use of 3D or I'm, CGI. I'm trying to think if there are any aesthetic choices I enjoyed. Um, I liked um, the White Queen's kind of chess army. I liked their design. Yeah, because they're just kind of like soldiers with chess piece heads, basically. Yeah. It's, it's simple. It's fine. It yeah. works. Uh, most of, like, yeah, yeah. Most anyone else, I think. Like, again, Matt Lucas is Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Hate. Ghoulish. They look like so upsetting. Yeah, just like these little blobs of, like, bodies with Matt Lucas's face and plastered onto them. Like, the, the animation on the face, on, their, on Matt Lucas's two faces is, like, shockingly bad. Yeah. Um, like, like video game level. Like you're just like, what's going? It it doesn't look like it's like sitting right on the model. Like ugh, we really were just needed another pass. Not we were just we weren't there yet. Um, you know what? Here I, I will actually say this. What? I thought even though the way that they unveil or like they resolve the whole like all of Helen Bottom Carter's courtiers are wearing like prosthetic larger yeah. things. I thought their looks were actually pretty cool. Aside yeah. from the one who just already had big boobs and, and then she just, just put a has, boobs yeah, has, has, like, has, has slightly bigger boobs now, which is okay, fine. And like I also said, one of the guys has a prosthetic stomach, and like I feel like if you don't want to be found out by the queen for like faking some sort of weird, you know, like, large aspect of your body, I don't know. You could probably just start eating a lot right. and then be like, but, but no, I really am mm -hmm. that large. Like, yeah. it's like okay, fine. You know, hey, I I'm not going to tell you how to be a sycophant. You be your own sycophant. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It reminded me a lot of actually Oz the Green Powerful in terms of just like a very phoned in look across the board. I mean like to be fair I think as we said during that episode Oz the Great and Powerful feels like a response to this where it's like this made a billion dollars if we apply the same sort of aesthetics and filter to the Wizard of Oz surely that will also make a billion dollars <laughs> and it of course did not. 
So I guess the last thing to just sort of go into would just be the characters and their performances. I guess one must start because he is top build in this movie with one Jonald Depp as Terrence <laughs> Hightop, <laughs> the Mad Hatter. I'm it's sorry, awful. what was the last name? Hightop. H-I-G-H-T-O-P-P. Terrence Hightop. Is his full name ever uttered in the film? They call him Terrence. I, I remember don't, the Terrence. Yeah, I don't remember if they ever mentioned Hightop. Guys, I just don't like Johnny Depp, and I don't enjoy seeing him in this movie. I don't understand what Johnny Depp is doing in this movie. So here's the thing. Does he? I think... Okay, I think he has an idea of what he's doing. I don't think he knows why he's doing it. I think it's a collection of texts. Well, the thing that I I think the most notable thing about his character is the fact that he has split personalities, and whenever you're talking about revolution or he's getting angry, he goes into a weird Scottish voice. And and his like more pronounced shadows. Right. They they alter they like alter his face and wardrobe slightly to when he's like having one of his angry fits, and I don't understand why he does that. I don't... I would love to know if that was something that's in the script. If the script literally says, like, Scottish voice, regular voice, or if this was just Johnny Depp being like, you know what, I got an idea for this thing. It would not shock me because I believe I remember him... I mean, isn't he kind of notorious for always kind of coming with these, like, like just huge ideas? Hats yeah. upon hats upon hats. Right, like when he was doing Sleepy Hollow, he was like, I need prosthetic nose, yeah. I need prosthetic fingers, I'm going to be a big weirdo, and Tim right. Burton's like, no. no. And then he tried to do it again when he was um, uh, Jack Sparrow, where he was like, I oh, he my went nose to have been cut off. Right, right, yeah. Attached, I'm gonna, but right. right. Yeah, I'm going to, like, pull out some teeth, yeah. And it was just like, Gore Verbinski was like, like, yeah, no, like, yeah, no, yeah, but, yeah um, I don't know how. Uh, I do remember him explaining that he had, like, done research and, like, haberdashers <laughs> during, like, this time period would have, like, had their, like, hair or, like, something stained by mercury well, and they would have gone nuts. They, they mentioned something about this on Wikipedia and what apparently says the orange hair is an allusion to the mercury poisoning. Depp believes that this character was poisoned. It was coming out through his hair, his fingernails, <laughs> and his eyes. Because that's what happens when you yeah. get mercury poisoning, right? Eventually, it does start to leach out of you, but just through your hair, your nails, and your eyes. And only when you're having an angry... <laughs> right, only when, yeah, only when you're having a bit of a moment. Do you think that Johnny Depp has just, like, some sort of, like, body dysmorphia where he wants to be, like, a fucking uggo? nuclear yeah. freak? It does, it does sort of <laughs> seem that, like, he resents the fact that he is or was conventionally attractive. Yeah. And is always going out of his way to make himself look like a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't think he's interesting looking or something, which is a shame because I actually think he... he I mean, not in his current incarnation. Right, but, but he, was, he was a good-looking guy. He was a hottie. Yeah. Um... I uh, the, the the voice though is really just the thing like that is I think the Hatter's biggest tick for so, me as a wait, character and like is, is it supposed to be some sort of like like is it supposed to be where like the Red Queen is Queen Victoria and when he's talking about revolution he's Scottish because he doesn't want I, I don't know in his like, mind probably right I guess he um I I actually I hate the whole conceit of the split personality thing I think it's dumb I also just generally like stop making that a magical thing in movies yeah like, like it's not a quirky fun thing that's it's that's not cool but like also um I hate his voice when he's just normal mode hatter just sort of like gentle lisp yes oh my god I hate yeah. it hate no, it everything especially because whenever he's yeah. saying the whole like don't don't <laughs> whenever he's cooing over Alice in that voice it's the maximum uncomfortable right no that's they can talk about that maybe yeah. later but they they the their relationship is weird yeah <laughs> do not do not care for that relationship especially because it's so in, intense on his side of it where I'm just like well, right. oh I mean this this will be our segue to Alice I think yeah. as a character so let's talk about the 
relationship. Okay. In real life, uh, their ages are very far apart. Right. And in I know, just how. in the movie, he looks like a weird freak anyway. Right. With like you know fucking awful. He, he's inhuman. He looks eyes. inhuman. Yeah. Yeah, and. He also, like, he's not seen this person in, like, I don't know, time passes in wonder. Right, like, it, it could have just been, like, a week for yeah. him or something, but nonetheless, she was a child. Yeah, she was a child the last time I seen her. They, they have, it's like, the movie's very vague about what is going on, but, like, again, equally baffling, we realize that she doesn't really remember who he is at all. Right, yeah, exactly. But yeah. it's but yeah it's it seems like there's a lot of like codependent air yes a, a, like aura emanating off of Johnny Depp which pattern is in this movie fucking creepy yeah. like, because oh, you want to know I recognize Alice anyway. yeah like you want to know he, what their age difference is twenty six years yeah yeah I believe it yeah but it's not like I'm not even saying that it's like inherently creepy because I don't really think that it's like coming across as is like romantic no. or like lustful at all but no. but it, it is weird strange. it is strange, strange and weird and codependent and creepy in a way that like. If somebody was like this to you, you'd be like, please back off. Like, yeah, right. I need to see other people. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, I would also say, like, it does kind of feel like this movie could potentially be, like, two drafts away from a version where she is romantically paired with yeah. the Mad Hatter. Yeah. If, yeah, yeah, you were saying, like, totally. if they were to kiss at the end, you'd be like, okay, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Like, I guess we were leading up to that the entire yeah. time. <laughs> they sure. spent a lot of time together. Yeah, like, I, I guess they're supposed to be romantically paired now or something oh, like that. So, Mia Vasakowska as Alice. I, yeah, I mean, I guess, Lee, you're going to have to take it as an informed trait that she's, like, she can be good in things. But... Yeah, that she is just adrift well, here. Well, like, I don't remember Crimson Peak, which I also did see we watched for this podcast that much, but did she, like, <laughs> sort of, like, annoyingly whisper her lines the whole time? Because that bothered so. the shit out of me. No, I don't think so. Speak the fuck up. She I mean, had, I, she I had think more her, going on. Yeah, I mean, I think her character is still very passive in Crimson yes. Peak, but yeah. not to the extent that Alice is, where she's literally wandering through it's, the She plot. kind of comes across as, like, whiny and sulky the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of like like sort of, like, petulant. Yeah. 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 Honestly, like, she's too quiet. She's not giving it enough, especially when if you're acting opposite Johnny Depp that much, if you're acting opposite Helena, Helena Bottom Carter that much, I mean, I don't think she had a chance. She was, I think at the time of this movie, still very, like, new. Right, yeah. I mean, this was her first big movie. Yes. This was also a movie that throws her in front of green screens Which for almost all of it. I don't think she had it. done before. No, and I mean, I don't, like, it's hard. And again, this also throws her with a bunch of professional actors who have been acting for years. With? Many of, with? Right, many of whom also have been working with Tim Burton, so they know his director style, and they know that Tim Burton is probably not a very hands-on director in that sense, that, like, he's not going to really advise you on character too much. You know, that's not really his strong suit. So you have all these other actors who are like, okay, I know that Tim doesn't do this so I have to bring this on my own and she just gets thrown in here like, I'm sorry, I'm doing what she now? she has to carry the movie. Right, like she is ostensibly like the, the, the backbone upon which this movie yeah. is hung and it, it doesn't work. It, at all. And I just, I also just think in general the way it's written kind of just screws the character because... Um, if all she's doing is just like, no, I'm not this cool, glorious thing, then you're like, okay, then pretty right. boring. Right. No, it's <laughs> also like, it is also just like, if you're watching a character for a hundred minutes, be like, no, I'm not X. Then it's just like, well, then what are you? Like, right. why, why am I watching you? If your entire character trait seems to be, I'm not this person. Sorry, then like, she's yeah. not, she's not that Alice. Yeah. And she also does not want to get married. That's also true. She does not like to get married. <laughs> she doesn't like it. And somewhere in there, this gives her the incredible uh, epiphany that they should extend business I wouldn't to China. Even say it's just, she's, like, not sure about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She doesn't seem to, like, outright hate it. She doesn't like him very much. Yeah. But she's not, like, 
aggressively which is like fair yeah, because yeah. You, you and you gave like the coldest take of victorian marriage possible or like the guy's just an absolute drip yeah right, right. <laughs> so it's like fair that you don't want to get married to that guy yeah but she's even milk toast in like you know dramatically running off she's like I'm, i can't yeah i gotta, gotta right. split there's a rabbit see you later <laughs> yeah uh Bonham carter as Erasabeth of crims the red queen i think um, I mean, listen, <laughs> everyone annoys me in this movie. I know that the people can be good, but yeah. the, the Red Queen annoyed me too, and I don't know who to, like... Well, I, I, I think there's... Because there are a lot of weird moments where the Red Queen is, like, told to act... Like, 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 babyish, but also, like, like, like weirdly... I, I don't know. She's like she believes that she has a relationship with the knave of hearts. Yes. Yeah. And he clearly is like not there for it. Yeah. But I she hate is that like, too. Like I, right. No. It's very weird that like it. she's like it makes her seem like a fucking idiot, yes. and she can't tell how much he is not into this. To, to kind of an uncomfortable degree. Like I don't enjoy that. No, I don't either. Like, like, and, and I guess that's the point. Maybe like, are you supposed to feel bad for her or something? I wonder if you're supposed know. to feel bad, or if it was just one of those things of like, yeah, she's the villain. Fuck her. Yeah. What well, begs the question of like, how did you get to this point in your? If yeah. you are that dumb and you don't know that your knave is like just it's a fucking weird, creepy fetish woman. Yeah. And it doesn't really care about you at all. And also, you're not that. You don't seem like you're that great at ruling. And you're also kind of petulant and unpredictable. How the fuck do you command this authority and army? Yeah, I know. It's just it's like the threat of having a Jabberwocky is just literally. Like to, I, I guess like because you know once that Jabberwocky's out of picture, they're all like, well, yeah, all we're it done. took was the fucking. Jabberwock. We're not following your orders yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I think she delivers a relatively consistent performance. Yeah. I feel like she's probably the most attuned. To, like, what to, this movie to is. the vibes, yeah, that's not saying a whole lot. I, I think she's probably the closest I would say to a good performance, yeah. but I agree, Lee, with what you said about like the weird aspects of this character mm-hmm. that don't really work for me. Well, and when you look at her performance, it mostly is just shouting. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair. She's, I, I think she's a little funny at times, but not excessively. Some of her line reads are pretty fun. I mean, Hannah Bottom Carter's not a bad actress. Yeah, of course but, not. Um, I just think she's asked to kind of do buzzsaw work in this movie. <laughs> uh, Anne Hathaway as Marana of Marmorial, the I, White Queen. I don't know, man. Did you know she was originally offered the role of Alice and turned it down to do the White Queen? She no? wanted to do the White Queen? Yeah, she wanted apparently to do the White Queen. Why? I don't know. I guess maybe, I don't know if it was a time commitment thing or if she just thought the White Queen was more interesting. <laughs> How old was, Al- was uh, Anne Hathaway? I don't know. Let me look real quick. So Anne Hathaway was born in 82. She would have been like 28, which I guess yeah, is like... You could have played Alice. Yeah, you could have pulled it off. Um, um, interesting. I mean, I guess I wonder if she just... Because, like, the way that she kept giving interviews about this whole, like, vegan punk yeah. take on this character that we, like... I guess we kind of see if we squint, but honestly, I don't think I would have come to those terms on my own. Right. Um, So I guess it just makes me wonder, did she have this kind of slightly offbeat idea about the White Queen that I'm guessing Tim Burton would have also been really into? Or did Tim Burton just be like, oh, by the way, I have this idea for the White Queen and it's this. And she's like, oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think she had said, you but did, yeah. Because she did have weird ideas about being like the White Queen. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And you, like the whole, like, and Tim Burton's mentioned the whole, like, Nigella Lawson comparison. Yeah. That was which super is weird. Because I don't get Nigella from her I, I don't either. I mean, maybe, to be fair, maybe that was something that, like, he thought whenever he saw the screenplay. And oh, Hathaway okay. was just like... But this is how I see it. Maybe it's not just Tim Burton's indulgence, overindulgence on display here. Maybe we're looking at Everyone's. everyone being No, that's true. Every single actor being allowed to yeah. do whatever it's, they want to do. Especially yeah. if, I feel pretty good about her theory that it's very likely Tim Burton isn't telling, isn't advising his actors on character choices very much. 
that if Anne Hathaway really believed in this idea of the character, probably that's just, like, what it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like, she doesn't do a bad job. It just doesn't amount to much. Yeah. Um, a lot of hand acting. A lot of... She doesn't She doesn't have that princessy movement. Much of a role. No, she's really not in the movie. All, like, up until the end, you only see her in one scene prior to yeah, actually, she, so... Yeah, arguably, I guess, like, the big good to Hanuman Carter's big bad. Yeah. I mean, they're good. sisters, so yeah. Yeah. They're, they are diametrically opposed. But she opposed. also doesn't seem that... Again, neither of these people seem like they're great rulers. She seems a yeah. little airy and, like... Uh, not yeah. vapid, but, like, <laughs> not out... You just, like, just like, like off. Yeah, yeah, not really, like, someone you want leading. Yeah. She doesn't seem level-headed. The yeah. people in her kingdom also have darkly shaded eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has their own trait that they glom onto from their leader. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, then. Crispin Glover as the Knave of Hearts and Lowe's Civic Stain. He's fine. Not much is asked of him. I, I, he's a creep, but yeah, I guess I, that was what he was supposed to I, do. I guess so, too. This feels kind of like Crispin Glover's a little phoning it in in this role, I think. I read something Which rec- I get. I read something recently that I actually kind of... It, 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 it's interesting. He apparently only takes these roles anymore so that he oh, can... Oh, he can do his weird shit. Right, so yeah. he can put money together to, like, make his own weird movies. Right. And I'm like, okay, I can actually see that here where you're like, I just gotta get fucking get right. this. Right, yeah. And again, this is not something he's probably used to. He's probably not used to dressing all up in green in a green background and, you know, getting feedback from Tim Burton on your character. So, like, mm-hmm. if he's a little out of touch here, then it's probably not his fault. Yeah. Uh, Matt Lucas is Tweedledee and Tweedledum, perhaps I mean, the most unsettling CGI in the movie. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, you know what? Normally, Matt Lucas is, can be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, he is. I don't know what... What's, again, I don't know what is going on with everyone in this movie. This is so many good people. It's right, not, no, like, this is little, like, half time. of England is yeah. in this movie. It, I mean, I don't think it's Matt Lucas's fault. It's just the characters are badly written. I almost feel like if it were Matt Lucas just physically being the character, it might be a little less... Weird. weird, you know, like I might yeah. be able to at least it might be grounded in something. We at least wouldn't be so put off by the appearance. Yeah, exactly. So like maybe it would have worked a little bit better if he were physically present. I don't know. I mean, just real quick, like like voice cast Michael Sheen as Nivens McTwisp, the White Rabbit. Sure, like, he's he's fine. Alan, I, mean, I love Michael yeah. Sheen. Yeah, Alan Rickman as Absalom the Caterpillar. They put so much weird emphasis on this character. Lines yeah, in his mouth to. I get, and I'm like, okay, I guess, sure. It's an interesting choice to make the caterpillar such a weird, like, prominent wise man like character, a prophet. Yeah. right? Whereas in the original one, he's just kind of like this bitch who like doesn't yeah. want to be like the, and just is like, like getting, getting high and right, and like yeah, yeah, like so. I guess the idea is that like, oh, he sits there like so sonorously, like smoking and like speaking in riddles. He must be secretly intelligent, and that's I guess kind of what they went with for the character, right? Which I guess but wasn't the point being that he sense? just he wasn't he was just kind of a high dude, just right? I mean, I guess the idea is just that like like but but what this movie supposes is what if he was. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Fry is Chesser, the Cheshire Cat. I like Stephen Fry's a good voice. Yeah. You know, it's a good voice. Lends itself to this sort of yeah, shit. That's really whatever about yeah. pretty much everyone I else. I didn't care for the design in the Cheshire Cat. I thought it was weird. I like the smile, but I don't care for the rest of it. If that again, makes it's all I get the coloring. It's yeah. really weird how like we t- we watched Maleficent from twenty fourteen, four years mm-hmm. later, and we're talking about like these CGI abominations. Yeah, it's like when did it? Are we, have we left that era? Are we, no. Are we free of CGI <laughs> abominations? Like, no. When did it start and when will it end? I don't know. I, I think there's examples of us starting to pull out of it a scotch. Like, I do think the happy medium can sometimes be the Guillermo del Toro choice of, like, you put someone in a suit and then you, hmm. you, you punch it up with touches of CGI here and there. 
But that ends up kind of um, uh, backfiring on him in Crimson Peak, where it all just looked like shitty yeah, CGI. Yeah, everyone just looks CGI anyway. In that. It feels like a mealing at clouds to keep talking about bad CGI in these movies, but mm-hmm. it's bad CGI. It looks bad. It is. Bad. And I mean, part of this also, again, was that it was 2010. We couldn't do it well, you know, at that point. Like, there yeah. were aspects of that has not aged well, you so there's made certainly a cat. that. If you wanted the yeah. cat to look more like a cat or you less like a it. cat, you could have done it. Yeah. You just designed... It's whoever is making these models is just like... I don't know. Put your bag into it, man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I mean, else? there's just... I, we don't even have to talk about the rule. Like, Timothy Spall as Bayard Hamar, the pet dog. We like Timothy Spall's voice. Love, love Timothy Spall giving a great performance. Delivering, really chewing the scenery over such lines. With yeoman's work. From just... Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, like well, what about my wife? Will you release my wife? That is one part that is... Honestly, it really gets in the movie's way. I mean, so does everything. But just... You guys were pointing this out, too. It's just, like, people very seriously with, like, gravelly, grave tones saying things like, Fractious Day. And, you know, the oraculum. It's just so goofy. Like... Because it's grounded and gritty now. You have to say I these goofy words with such gravitas. Who wants that? I, know. I guess people do. I don't know. Paul Whitehouse says Thackeray Earwick gets the March Hare in all of like the ten lines that he has. A waste of Paul Whitehouse. All he does is twitch. Yeah. Michael Goff as Ulilium the Dodo. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Christopher Lee is the fucking Jabberwocky for his two lines. Insane. Insane. Just a waste of Christopher Imelda Stun is a talking flower. A waste of Imelda Stun. Yeah, and Jim Carter, her husband, is the executioner who has only one line. Just like, again, what are these people doing? Like, I, I know you're getting a payday. It's probably a good payday. You're not doing a lot of work. But, like, Jesus fucking Christ, so many people in this movie. Do you think, yeah. like, maybe, like, Imelda Stun and her husband are, like, friends with Hannah Bottom Carter? And she's like, listen, we just need some people to step in. Could be, yeah. We'll pay you. I'm sure, I'm sure all these, like, again, like, I mean, she's worked on Harry Potter with Alan Rickman, right? So, like, it's probably right. just, like, all these actors know each other. Right. Uh, all right. I, I got really nothing much else. I, I think I will say score? real quick, I think Danny Elfman's score is pretty good. Yeah. I think the one thing, the fucking Futterwacken, which I can't believe we have not brought up yet, at the end of the movie, Johnny Depp does a dance called the Futterwacken, which they hint at, like, two or three times prior to that being, like, Hey, remember when you did the gonna be, It's going to be so great, right, guys. Yourself, they this is just be like, wait. Right. But this is going to be fucking nuts. See, it's fun to laugh. It's whacking so vigorously. Guys, it's a goddamn nightmare. It's, it's like sort of... I'm going to try to do a demonstration. But it's you sort, of, it's sort yeah. of like the beginning moves of like breakdancing, but he's like... Well, so the thing is... so and then his head spins around. It's a body double for this because the guy who does it was apparently a guy who was like on YouTube as a dancer. And they, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was literally just that they saw him on YouTube when like hey why don't we throw this in the movie somehow or if like they wanted to do a dance they started looking for a guy but it is a body double and like a lot of the dance steps to be fair he does, his head does not spin around in real life but a lot of the, like the other things he does with like the, with like the legs bending back and forth yeah. like that's kind of like his visual thing and so like if you look at these videos on YouTube, like, they're not unimpressive, right? Like, seeing someone actually do this in real life yeah, would be pretty it's fucking fine. neat. it doesn't belong in this movie. Right, it doesn't belong in this movie. And also, when you drown it out with all this CGI, no you look at it and you're like, this isn't real. Like, yeah. when his head spins around, you're like, okay, that's fake. It, How much of this is fake? And honestly, when the head spins around, I think, oh, that's confirmation of the whole thing. Right, exactly. You start to, like, it's, like, yeah. shittily animated. And also, the... the oh, that the, sucks. I feel bad for that dancer. The I music do. that they play over it is, like, yeah. just, like, bad Weird funk, funk music. 
music. Yeah. yeah for like, out of nowhere what? for 30 seconds. It sounds like nothing else in the movie. Right. It, it's, it's this weird, uh, yeah, like 70s, almost like Indian funk. Like, I truly don't know how to describe it, but it's the most bizarre sequence I've ever seen in a major motion picture. How would you rank it against the Ever Living credit song? Um, I think the Avril Lavigne credits song is in its own way just as jarring because you end <laughs> as someone who like you know Liz has listened to Avril Lavigne and thinks she's she's done some pretty good songs. Mm-hmm. Not it. No, yeah. not this one. This is not a shitty. It's, it's a bad song. It's also very like on the nose where it's like I'm yeah, falling through a rabbit hole. Like she's freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. yeah. She's at one point like I'm here in Wonderland. Yeah, it, it's just yeah. It's, it's like a really shitty on the nose song. It also doesn't help that it's the first thing you hear as soon as the credits start. Like you end with Danny Elfman's score. Like building to a crescendo, and then all of a sudden it's like freaking out, falling into it's like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? And then they're like, come back in six years that and happened, make a sequel. Was, there was a that was a moment for Disney though, where and it's I think it were still me might still be having that moment where like the movie ends and then a very off-brand song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. usually a pop song by yeah. like a name, like a, did, a recognizable person. Princess and the Frog do that? Did it have like it a, was Neo and someone yes, else? It was. No, it didn't sound like any of the other songs in the movie. No, because it's because uh, it's not written yeah. by Randy Newman. So it's like a it's it's a disjointed thing. It was just thing. like a moderate, suddenly a modern right. day pop. So like it's one of those things where it's like okay, like maybe if Danny they're Elfman, they're not always bad songs, right? No, they are too. Because it's like maybe if Danny Elfman like wrote a pop song for the end credits, you can yeah. be like okay, at least there'd be like some consistency. But here it's just like I don't know, do like an emo pop like song. Tangled had one too that was I liked, but it was I do like, but it is nothing to do with no, anything. Yeah, else. I know. Yeah, exactly. I think like Disney's kind of at least moved back toward doing covers of songs that appeared in the movie. Yeah. and to to great like the 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 having. Panic at the Disco do the cover of the Frozen Two song. Oh yeah, well, I really like. Yeah. I really like that one actually. Yeah. That's one of I think the only times I've liked the cover and credits yeah, yeah, versions yeah. was that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's about. All. I, I think it's a it's a pretty good fantasy score actually, much better than the movie. Um, it does. It does sound like. Danny, like, oh, it is like aggressive. It Elfin. sounds just like the fucking Charlie the Chocolate Factory theme. There, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of like percussive. There's a lot of organs String, going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There is like there's a neat little Alice motif that I like that goes throughout the movie that has a little bit of core work going mm-hmm. with it that I I enjoy. But anyway, that's just me. So wrapping this up, we've covered it. Let's go to fixes. Who would like to start? Not me. Oh, I can start. All right, start it. This is. So this is not much, but it's yeah. something that let's just assume that were anyone to do this, me or anyone else, that there'd be a lot more research and thought put into it. Yeah, sure. what I'm about to say. Great. But, um, I don't want to do the marriage nonsense. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have a movie about like, oh, so like she's got to get married and then she's gonna, or she's gonna find another way to get by in the world. But I, I do want like, I like the base bones of it's an adult Alice um, reconciling with this like thing, you know, this weird fantasy dream that she went in the past as she's going through yet another sort of like transition point or transformation and this fantasy world helps her get to some sort of point um but i don't want to do like you know how do you like you know marriage or growing up or whatever so instead what i want to do is um that maybe alice uh has like is neuroatypical or has some form of schizophrenia and like wonderland is just how some of that manifests so i think what i want to do is there's a video game called hellblade's newest sacrifice yeah uh i want to do hellblade's newest sacrifice the the whimsical comedy where <laughs> so so just to, i can i can okay. i can tldr so hellblade is like a celtic woman who's got schizophrenia mm. and her lover's been killed by vikings and she's carrying his lover her lover's dead head around and she's trying to like get revenge on these vikings but she or she's trying to get her the soul back from hellheim Mm-hmm. She's just gotta like go to like the Viking underworld, 
But really what's going on is, like, she's just having a... Like, she's clearly, like... An episode. They don't, like, quite say all of this. But, like, you're basically, like, fighting all these, like, monstrous Viking things. But it's a lot of it is probably just how her mind is manifesting this. And there's a lot of cool things in the game about how the schizophrenia comes in. Like, there are people... You hear voices. There's different... They're all her. Uh And they all say different things. And some of them are, like, supportive. And some of them are really mean. And some of them lie to you. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff about how, like, her mental illness sort of, like, affects the world that you perceive in the game. Um, and I kind of like the idea that Wonderland is that, but in, but, like, in Hellblade, like, again, some of those voices are helpful and some of them are, are nice. And, like, Mm -hmm. in certain illnesses, like, in just sort of identity disorder, some of the alters you create are, like, they're made to protect you from something that you didn't want to deal with or whatever. So I like the idea that... This is just, like, her reconciling... Again, I'm not saying, like, you shouldn't get treatment for mental illness, but, like, that there... It's, you know, that you're reconciling, like, you know, what... How your brain is is made and trying to find, like, a way to deal with that. And so I like the idea that the struggle in the movie is that they're like, Alice, you have to stop saying these crazy things or, like, talking about things that are clearly not really not happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like, grow up and, like, live in the real world or whatever... And have it instead be her kind of like, fi- like ex- you know, kind of like embracing that side of her and finding a way to like uh, make it work for her in the real world without having to like give all of it up. That's I like it. I yeah. For my, I think like the one thing that I do kind of like about this movie is like the general, like I had said when we were watching this that I think the first 10 minutes or so work pretty well up until the point that she goes to Wonderland. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like even if this isn't perfectly executed, I get what you're laying down here and I kind of like what you're doing with it, even if I have some quibbles. And then it kind of starts to gradually fall apart the more we spend time in Underland. So the, the idea of doing Hook but Alice in Wonderland is pretty much what this movie is, which I find kind of interesting. Like, it's a sequel to a movie that does not exist. And so what I think it would be is it it would be something like, you you do have a similar sort of premise where it's Alice is an adult now. And I think, or not like, not like the same age as here, like like a young adult. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not so much that what Lee had said, it's not so much that she has to get married or something. It's probably the idea that maybe something happened that made her have to grow up relatively quickly after this, where like maybe like the loss of a parent, which is kind of what this movie does, but then doesn't really, it's kind of more of a plot device in this movie than anything else. They don't really deal with like the grief or anything like that. But the idea that like maybe then, you know, maybe her mother died. And so she had to like grow up relatively quickly because everyone else in her family was expected to pull more weight or something like that. And so she just kind of like finds herself in maybe like a little bit less of a confident, a little less happy place than she would have normally been. And so I I think you can then have her go back to uh, Wonderland. You don't have to deal with the whole thing about her not realizing that, like, oh, like, am I this Alice? I'm not this Alice. Like, do I have my muchness? I don't know. Like, is this a dream? I don't care. And so you don't have all that crap. What I think you kind of can do is your, your point that you're dragging away from all this, I guess, is the idea that Alice is gradually learning that there there is like a joy and a purposefulness for this sort of like mm-hmm. irreverence that they're trying to have her and i want it to be like a little less after school after school especially than mm-hmm. that sounds but i think that would be it and i think if you still wanted to have some sort of conflict at the end i kind of like the idea of the red queen and the white queen in this version my red queen would not be an amalgamation of the queen of hearts and the red queen which is what she is in the movie but just like the two chess playing queens and i think the idea is that alice has to learn that like sometimes basically in order to win you have to just sort of turn the 
the table over and like just completely <laughs> yeah. like, like not follow the rigid rules mm -hmm. that you are placed into by society or the game or something like that and so that, that when alice comes out at this at the end she finds herself like a more assured person with some sort of idea as to where she wants to go in life yeah. that's that's really just kind of it i i agree that i think like there were attempts that i was making to try and do a story to like try and graft a story onto the original Alice in Wonderland, Alice Adventures Wonderland, and like it's hard to do. I get it. Like I get why it's never really worked because it's not an easy thing to do. So I also kind of enjoyed. I didn't enjoy the the marriage plot stuff, but I did. I kind of just liked what was more what was going on in like the first ten minutes or so. And they do kind of do this like pseudo, like giving you some hints of Wonderland in that world. I also picked up on the idea that um, the White Rabbit says at one point that he's been up on, like, our side, like, looking, following around all these different Alices. So my thought was, instead of this being a story about adult Alice going back to Wonderland, this is about the Red Queen somehow, like, has found a way, like, in. Alice is super bored... Maybe there's some kind of familial drama going on that she thinks is petty and dumb and she's like over it. And, but she's starting to notice like weird things are shifting. So like, why wouldn't that woman know that her roses were white and not red how she wanted them? So my thought would be, for example, that would be because slowly the Red Queen is like etching over to take her like place. And then at some point... Like, the surrounding estate is, like, kind of supplanted by that world. And that it's about... I, so I don't even know really what the message is there. That was literally the, the I mean, idea that I had. I'm a huge fan. I mean, I, like, from my idea, obviously, I'm a huge fan of, like, uh, psychological uh, twists on some of these, like, Wonderland fairy tale mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that the Red Queen is trying to come in suggests to me that uh, uh, from that my brain instantly went to there's some drama in the real world that Alice doesn't want to deal with, and the Red Queen is like some sort of violent reaction she's having yeah. to it, and like it's like a bad unhealthy reaction, but it's one that would feel good at the moment, right. and so the Red Queen is like some dark part of her that's like wanting to like just like lash out at whatever is going oh, on. Oh, interesting. So like maybe part of the plot could be her like You have to be down the going dark. Like, yeah. Or like yeah, part of it is like, you know, the whole upturning the table thing comes into play of like there are two there's two wolves. <laughs> <laughs> there are two queens inside of you. One has a big head. What's and one, head? one is Nigel Lawson. And then one has black eyebrows. Yeah. And and you have to decide who wins and or or you just sort of like depends reconcile. on which head you inflate. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. favorite iteration of that two wolves meme was there's two wolves inside you. One of them is gay. The other one is also gay. <laughs> yeah, there's so I, I'm a huge fan of two wolves memes. There's, there's a lot of good ones out there. Oh, man. But yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting. I think it's a good idea, though. Yeah, because, I mean, I liked I liked what was going on there. Aesthetically, well, I liked like it the, better. The Winnie the Pooh. No, is that Winnie the Pooh? Christopher Robin? Yeah. With yeah. The, with the oh, we're like, yeah. Like, yeah, like they come they to see Christopher out. Robin. Yeah. yeah. Which I didn't see, but it sounded very, like, sad slash bittersweet or also probably not that good. I don't know. It wasn't great, but. Yeah. I heard it was, like, better than you might expect. It was fine. It was fine. Um, no, but yeah, I think mostly I was just kind of thinking, like, how could I do something different with this? And I think it's a simple inversion that instead of her going to Wonderland, it just comes No, I kind of like the idea of them coming yeah. to the real world. That's good. Guys, would you recommend that anyone see this movie? No, no but no. we all did. Right, no, that's the thing, too. It's, it's too like, late. No, but you saw it anyway, so yeah. what can I do for you at this was, point? Maybe you liked no. it, and you were wrong. Yeah, maybe, well, I mean, I think to me, like, a lot of people kind of liked it at the time, yeah. and then, like, the bloom fell off the rose very, very quickly afterward, because we all stood up with one voice, and we were like, no, we don't want this sequel. We don't no. care to see it. I'm... 
I'm grandpa or whatever, maybe, but like, I just don't want to look at something that looked like that. No, I don't either. And like, <laughs> no, it's not. You know, good. like old yeah. people are sometimes just like, movies are too loud. Yeah. I'm, I'm now just movies like. Movies are too gray. Yeah. Too this much. was too muddy, too gray, too busy. Ugh. Yeah. No, it's okay, not, we're all in agreement here. Enjoyable. Yeah. So uh, we will be back in two weeks with a <laughs> mini episode and then back two weeks after that with our next full episode. As always, facebook.com slash whywitchpodcast is our website. Uh, DrivePack.com is also actually our website, though that's our Facebook page. And uh, yeah, you can go there and find all our episodes. You can subscribe to us or follow us, apparently, as they're suggesting you say now, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, rate, subscribe, review, all of that good stuff. Five Please stars do it. only. Five stars only. We will be back in two weeks with a mini episode. Bye! Bye.